You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 63 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and this is the show for November 2018. I have a panel with me today, which is geographically nice and dispersed, which I always like. Uh, and while they're small in number, they're extremely high in quality. So um, closest to me and to my east, I'm joined by the wonderful Nick Riley again. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bart. It's good to be back. Um, it's been a little while. But it has been a while since I've heard your, your, your lovely English accents. Always good to have you. Uh, thank you very much. And yeah, it's good to talk to you too. And then joining me from the very far side of the very far side of the land on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, we have Alison Sheridan from the Nocilla cast with us. Hi, Alison. Hey, I assume when you said high quality, you were talking about Nick, but I got to come on the show too. <laughs> I love having you on us, and, and although I get to talk to you a lot, it, usually it's in your place, not mine. So it's nice to have you in mine. Welcome. Yay. So um, it's sort of been an interesting month's worth of news because I had great trouble finding sort of major stories to talk about, and yet I had no trouble filling up the show notes. The quick stories section is probably going to take us a while. Um, but uh, before we get stuck into the new stuff, let's just touch on a few little follow-ups from previous month's news. We were promised at WWDC that um, Transmit 5 would come back to the Mac App Store. That was a big deal for Panic to come back, and that promise has been fulfilled. You can now get a subscription version of the wonderful Transmit FTP client in the Mac App Store. Can I tell you how much I love Transmit? I accidentally bought Transmit 5 twice. <laughs> so good you bought it twice. I I thought I'd forgotten to buy it because I remember procrastinating and thinking, oh, it's a lot of money, but I really love it. I should give them the money. Oh, I don't know. So I, just a few weeks ago, I said, you know what? Dang it. It's worth it. I use this tool. I'm upgrading to Transmit 5 and I paid for it. And then I realized I had two of them. <laughs> you went to put it into one password or whatever. And I was like, oh, look, there's one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what happened. I looked in one password when I went to put it in. I was like, oh, I'm a moron. I wrote to them and I said, okay, one of two things. Can I gift it to somebody or my money back? And they said, ah, we'll give you your money back. Too Aww. bad for the person that was going to get the gift. Cool. Well, that's, they're, they're a nice company. I'm, I've had to do with their support once or twice. for. I managed to do an Allison and find a bug. Ooh, neat. Oh, we haven't even said, in case somebody doesn't know, it's a, it's a fabulous FTP app. Yeah, and when we say FTP, we mean that in the most broad sense possible. It, I use it for connecting to Office 365, to my OneDrive. Um, it does Amazon, it's many different types of storage. It does secure FTP. It, it does, Pretty much, if it has a file and it's somewhere in the vague cloudy place, Transmit will talk to it. That's, that's pretty much, I mean, it, and it's a very polished app. It's just, it, I, I yeah. need you to, I need to have you teach me some of that stuff because I use it as an FTP client. Ah, well, when you go to new, you'll see all the things it can do, and that drop down goes down for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's good. Uh, it's it's a lovely app. Um, also, a little bit of follow up news. Um, there, there was an awful lot of nattering all over the internet about how the iPhone XR is a complete disaster and no one's buying it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wasn't really going to mention it on the show at all, but then we got a nice sort of quick, simple way to deal with this very quickly. 
Uh, Greg Joswiak, who is Apple's VP for product marketing, said uh, the iPhone XR has been, quote, our most popular iPhone each and every day since the day it became available. So in other words, it has beaten the sales every day since the day they launched it. So I think it's doing fine. I think if um, I think if it did well based upon the number of uh, podcasters who said this should sell really well, <laughs> it I should think be so, it, yeah. it definitely would. <laughs> well, where do they get these stories when they decide that it's it's doing terribly? Uh, because someone in the supply chain. Like, so a vendor who is one of, the chances are they're not the only person supplying a certain part. A vendor is forced to do an earnings call that says we're not going to make as much as we want because, quote unquote, a major client has reduced orders. Everyone immediately assumes, well, you are you supply to Apple. It must be Apple who cut orders. Therefore, Apple must be doomed. And no matter how often Tim Cook says the supply chain is a terrible way to judge Apple, and no matter how many times Tim Cook has proved right, doesn't make a dent in the clickbait. Well, and they'll probably keep doing it as long as he continues to bury the information people want to know. Somebody's got to speculate, right? Otherwise, there'd be no sport. Yeah, and it's not going to get any better now that Apple have said we're not doing this whole numbers thing anymore. So I I hear Ken Ray's voice in my head all the time now, fun with numbers without numbers, because that's sort of what Apple's earnings calls are going to be. It's probably probably the same people who, uh, who say it's going to be the hottest summer this year. And the same people who say it's going to be the coldest winter, because there's always somebody. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you find, if, if there's enough weather stations on planet Earth, I'm sure you can always find an ust somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but in the UK, we seem to be having the hottest and coldest every year. Wait, that's kind of what climate change predicts, though, which is slightly disappointing. <laughs> the fact that, yeah. was it 18 of the last 20 years were the hottest years on record? I don't like that winning streak. That's it's a losing streak. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is largest fire in California history happened twice this year. And oh, the, yeah. the, the one in the once in a century events that seem to happen twice a decade? <laughs> yeah. Hang on a second. That's not what that means. Yeah, anyway. Anyway. Yeah, that's cheery news. Let's get into the Apple. <laughs> um Apple have also hired away um Ashish Chowdhury, Nokia's chief or he was, or sorry, he is and he will be until January, Nokia's Chief Consumer Operations Officer, and he is taking over for Apple as Managing Director of Southeast Asia, which everyone is just translating as Head of Apple in India, which is where he's going to be. So that's a major developing market, and that seems like a fairly senior guy Apple have poached, so that seems like a good thing. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a story recently, maybe it's in this line, in your lineup, about um, things starting to pick up in India? I'm trying to remember. They did something smart that they suddenly broke into the Indian market. It did not ping on my radar because it is not in the show notes. Um, I could be making that up. I dream up a lot of stuff. It would be nice. I mean, Apple certainly could do with expanding into that market. And I know that they've worked hard to set up um, various types of research centers and stuff in India so that they meet the Indian government's requirements for selling in India, which is that you have to have a certain amount of turnover in the country. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's definitely something they're working on. And every time Tim Cook vaguely sets foot in Asia, he pops in and has a wee chat with the prime minister over there. It's it, it's definitely on their radar. CNBC said last January that Apple sells 2.5% of India's smartphones. So there's a growth opportunity, I'd suggest. Yeah, and 2.5% of a very big number is a lot of iPhones. Mm, yeah, but could be a much bigger number, that's for sure. Yeah, you go to 3% and it's millions and millions and millions and millions of extra phones. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you remember when Steve Jobs said that what he wanted the iPhone to achieve was 1% market share and uh, everyone scoffed at him for such an ambitious goal? <laughs> anyway. Different. Yeah. So moving into the first of our main stories, this this happened very much at the start of the month, but since we haven't recorded yet in November, it's worth talking about. So... We talked last time about Apple's new Macs, and one of the features they have is the T2 chip. And this chip does a lot of things, including some really cool security stuff. And, I mean, the reason you can have stuff like Touch ID in the MacBook is because... Sorry, the MacBook... No, it isn't. MacBook Air. um, Is because it has the T2 chip. And also the reason you have such good disk encryption and stuff on the little iMacs is... Not iMacs, Mac Minis, is because of that T2 chip. So the, the T2 chip is doing a lot of security heavy lifting, but... That does mean that there's a very tight coupling between that T2 chip and various parts of the hardware within the Mac. And a side effect of that security is that you can't just whip in and whip out hardware willy-nilly. You need the tool to cryptographically pair the various aspects of the machine together to create this chain of security throughout the device. Is and that so, a hardware software tool, Bart? I don't know because... I am not an Apple partner, and I have not. I, I have never seen one. Okay. It's described as a system, but I don't know what kind of system. I would imagine it could be software because what matters is getting private keys into the right places. Right, right. Um. So, a side effect of this security is that you need someone to cryptographically pair these things. So if you are a third-party repair shop, you have a problem. You need to be Apple authorized because otherwise you don't have access to the system, be it hardware or software, that's needed to do this kind of pairing. And some clickbaity headlines basically decided that this was not about security. This was an attempt by Apple to destroy third-party resellers and that this the security thing was an excuse and what they were really trying to do was to destroy hardware. And it, I was just left scratching my head going, how, how, how do you have, like, what kind of, I just can't, it does not compute, I think is what I'm trying to say. I don't get it. So... I, I think I... <sighs> I mean, I fully understand why this is the case. Um, the only concerns I have, I suppose, is that amongst those, that list of parts that may be affected mm-hmm. is flash storage. Yes, and that is actually the and most important Apple one. charge a lot of money for flash storage. And that, that, that would be my, my only concern, is if you've got to get it through an, an Apple retailer or a, um, an Apple store, well, it's not Apple They're probably going right? to charge, you know, the same for the flash storage. But remember, it's not only Apple. It's any authorized re- repair center or any authorized... Yes, but, but I mean, they're going to be using authorized Apple parts as well, aren't they? So. Right, right. I was going to say that. True. The, the, this does... I, I think, Alison, was it you who said to me on another show that what this... The takeaway for you from this is Apple Care is more important than ever. Yeah, Steve has a uh, 27-inch iMac that was just a, a little over a year old. And, of course, we bought AppleCare because we always buy AppleCare. And um, his SSD went bad. And it was a $1,400 repair, the the the, um, the SSD being the majority of that cost. Right. It was like $42 to do the repair, but he had a 2-terabyte SSD in it. 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, the part is expensive under any rules, right? Right. But, uh, yep. I just bought a two terabyte backup drive for him from Samsung, and I want to say it was only around four hundred dollars. But the one in his iMac is twelve hundred. Right, but that two terabyte backup drive is not going to be the same level of high quality flash that is sitting soldered onto that motherboard. Sure, but can a regular person tell the difference between the two for more than what was that? More than triple the cost. I guess yeah. it would depend on how much Final Cut Pro you're doing and stuff. It would depend on the workload, right? Very, very sure, strongly. Sure. But I mean, if you're a regular person and you had bought this expensive machine and you didn't have Apple Care, you would really want to be able to replace that with a, a $400 SSD instead of a $1,200 SSD. But you will have no choice. Yeah, I guess. Well, why would a person who doesn't need it spend that much money on a really expensive optional extra like that SSD upgrade? But then again, people do the strangest of things, so maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that Apple did is doing something wrong here with the T2 chip. I don't want anybody getting mm. that impression at all. I'm just saying this was my argument for, doggone it, buy that Apple Care. I would 110% agree with you because I think it was on your show that I said the way you need to start thinking about Macs is as giant big iPhones. They're, I mean... The way your Mac now works is much more analogous to the way your iPhone and your iPad work than it is analogous to this homemade computers we used to build ourselves from parts we bought separately on Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that part, except that, you know, I'm struggling to be able to afford any Apple stuff now. <laughs> Not new anyway. Well, the, um, the refurb is a great option. Um, uh, I've never I've never bought Apple Care. Um Maybe that's because I'm a Briton. <laughs> we tend to we tend to avoid buying any kind of. Um, we well, see a lot of those things are scams, insurance. right? If you go into Curry's or PC World and you buy their fancy pants care program, you're not really getting value for money. I would argue. No, I, I just wouldn't buy care of any sort from anybody. Apple um, Care has I, I, saved my bacon many, many times, and it, it is actually value for money. I, w- I would say. Maybe I'm just lucky in that I've never had anything go seriously wrong. Even even my old iMac, which I took to pieces and. Replace bits in it. I've had Touch my wood, 12.9 inch iPad Pro replaced five times. Yeah, I know. I, know. I, I listen to your show, Alison. Okay. <laughs> and and, um, and that has yeah. uh, more than paid itself off. But, you know, one thing you can do, Dave Hamilton is a big uh, proponent of running the math, you know, statistically, uh, how, how has it worked out for you? Um, yes. And I understand not being able to afford it in the first place makes it a non-question. But I do want you to know, I don't buy extended warranties on anything else. I mean, just yesterday, I was buying a little couch. Hey, do you want our five-year warranty? Blah, blah, blah. No, I don't. I don't buy them on <laughs> anything. I buy Apple Care though. And I'm yeah. the same as Alison. I've never bought an extended warranty on anything apart from all of my Apple stuff. And it's just the peace of mind you get because... Computers are my life, right? And just that peace of mind that no matter how badly this thing explodes in the time it has Apple Care, it's not my problem, it's Apple's problem. And there's no yes. Apple store near here of any sort. So I suppose I suppose the way I'd look at it um is I could always buy a second hand machine. I mean the fact is I don't use my my um iMac for that much particularly. Um, See that changes the calculus. A bit, a, bit right? of, a little bit of podcasting and um at the church magazine in pages uh, is about it, really. And everything else I've done on my iPad. It wouldn't be your life would come to an end like it would for Bart and me. No, yeah. no, no, I'd find a way around it. If, if it was just, you know, having a look on the uh, classifieds and finding a second-hand one. Yeah, so that does change the calculus, right? And it comes down to doing the math. 
It does. It does. And I can quite understand if you are spending. I mean, the fact is, then they're not that they were expensive machines when I first bought my first iMac, but they, you know, they're even more expensive now. And I can quite understand you wanted to protect that investment, particularly if you use your machine for everything. Well, for yeah, for a large proportion of uh, of you know your computing. Well, not just my computing, my my income. You know, it's I mean, it's computers are my life. That is that is what I do professionally. So it's very important. Yes, I mean, I work in IT, but I don't need um, I don't need a, a portable device or a, 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 a I don't get the choice of an iMac. Unfortunately, um, it's all. Um, uh, VMs at work. So, I use at VMs risk- to make my Windows 10 machine go. <laughs> yes. That's on topic. Uh, oh, topic. <laughs> I mean, sure topic but I, you were talking about the T2 chip, and mm-hmm. um, in the show notes, you refer to an article from iMore, and there was a statement in this article that confused me. I was hoping mm-hmm. you could explain it to me. They said T2 was designed to prevent. Wait, I'm sorry. Let me back up. Well, yeah, it starts here. T2 was designed to prevent all that and more, including, for example, a website showing you one price and charging you another higher price. That's done through a hardened, secure channel through the machine from the secure enclave to the display. How can a hardware chip know what I'm seeing on a web page? And how could the back end of a website, what it's doing charging me to my credit card, how could my hardware know that? Well, think of it like the same problem HDCP is trying to solve, but just not for evil. So, I definitely copy protection is what he's talking about. Yeah, so basically what you have is a cryptographic encryption, which because Apple managed, because it's an Apple display and it's an Apple uh, everything, they can actually have cryptographic keys on each end so that it is impossible for anything to edit the signal between what Safari calculates as the pixels and what the display shows as the pixels. Hang on, hang on. Mac Mini doesn't have a display, so this can't be related to the display. Okay, okay, but they're talking about what you see on screen. So for for at least okay. some of this, they, right? That chip is not just doing one thing, right? Wherever there's data flowing that Apple needs to protect, because it would be dangerous for a third party to alter that data. So one place that could go wrong would be between you saying yes, I agree to pay this amount by scanning my finger, and then the transaction leaving the Mac and ending up at the credit card processor if someone manages to change you know a hundred to a thousand or something that would be very problematic so that needs to be encrypted and protected another place that when apple can they could encrypt everything out as far as the screen on the machines that have integrated screens because the display is one of the things that is cryptographically tied to that t2 chip that we we know this from apple statements to the verge so it's display assembly logic board top case which i presume is what holds the display together Touch ID board, which I guess is the little mini motherboard for the Touch ID sensor, and flash storage. So, so any I'm, writing I'm between the motherboard... My head around this. Pardon? I'm still not getting my head around this. I'm looking at something on screen that says $28. Right. And I, I put my finger on Touch ID, and it, it authorizes a payment. Well, I guess it's authorizing the payment I saw at that point, right? Is it's authorizing the payment that was actually on the web page. Are you seeing what was actually on the web page? Is the question. And the T2 chip is there to help make sure that that's true by making sure the entire channel is encrypted. All of this stuff is flying through the computer. If there isn't hardware encryption at the very, very end, it could be tampered with. It could be interfered with. You know, a bogey graphics driver could start changing numbers on you, but not if it's all cryptographically signed all the way from end to end. And the 
graphics you, are cryptographically signed. Yeah, so basically all of this data, right? It's all about data. So it's data to and from the uh, the hard drive. It's data to and from the Touch ID sensor. That T2 chip is sitting there in the middle and it's able to cryptographically sign everything. So even if someone were to stick in a dodgy software driver or if someone were even to connect to terminals on the motherboard and start feeding in bogus data, that would be detected because encryption gives you assurance of authenticity, integrity and uh, confidentiality. Hmm. Okay. They're clever, these Apple people, aren't they? <laughs> it's it's only because Apple do everything from soup to nuts that it's even possible to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, you know it is. It is one of the. I mean, I I sometimes think that you know a Mac is more of an app console because gaming consoles also get to do cool stuff for the simple reason that it's all controlled from soup to nuts. So you maybe the way to think of a Mac is an app console that can run your apps as opposed to a general purpose computer. Because you don't get to just, you know, shove any hardware you like into it. You don't get to pull it apart and put it back together again. You can do that, just not with these products. That's not what they are. They're, they're something else. I, I want to bring us back to the article that you posted. Mm-hmm. It was by, um, actually, there was one by Nick Stat. I think this is the one um, on The Verge. Mm. I'm get, I might be getting the two stories mixed up. But they were basically saying being flaming angry about the effect on the the uh, repair market and thinking that Apple is doing this on purpose to crush that market, his point was, no, they probably just don't even care because, you know, it's such round-off error to them that a, a much higher priority is the uh, security of the device. And if it ends up wrecking the repair market, like, so... You yeah. know, not not malicious or or uh, you know kind to them either way. They it's just a non-issue. It's apathy, which I believe is probably more hurtful. That's the right word. Yeah, yeah. And and they, I understand there are people who still like to be able to tear their computers apart, and it is great fun, and it is really cool to be able to do that. But there's repercussions to being able to do that. But I do that. It's a big thing I do. But that's what Linux is for. <laughs> right, there, well, and you can run Linux on a Mac, but you have to break that that security of the T2 chip. Well, you, you have to break a part of it. You have to remove Secure Boot, but you still get to have a lot of other stuff, right? So the the direct you connection, boot, you can't use Touch ID. Sure, you can't use Touch ID because there wouldn't be drivers for Touch ID for Linux anyway. But the the hardware level disk encryption, I think, is probably still available to you. I think I'd have to. I have an experiment with it, so I'm sort of somewhat guessing, but. There's no reason that necessarily. No, the hardware disk encryption should work just fine. Hmm. Yeah, there's, okay. there's, there's no reason that wouldn't. But yeah, you're right. The Touch ID sensor wouldn't because there's no there's no open source driver for Touch ID. But the hard drive, it, the kind of the cool thing is that you're writing the standard hard drive signals, but it goes into the T2 chip, gets encrypted, and then gets written out to the SSD. So if someone pulls that SSD out of your computer, it's unreadable anywhere else. And because it's happening in hardware, it doesn't matter who's writing that data, whether it's Linux or the Mac, it's the data is going through the T2 chip. So as soon as you take that storage off that motherboard, that data is pseudo-random noise. Right. Now, the good news is if you take it out uh, and and have a new drive put in, that other drive is not something you have to worry about erasing the data on it. Yes. <laughs> it's essentially... Well, that's one of the nicest things about full disk encryption, whether you're doing it on software or hardware. It means that this whole having to run Direx boot and nuke before you sell your secondhand computer, no. 
just don't tell them the password and it is pseudo random noise. And and yet could be erased. Oh, I mean, you can lose data very easily when it's encrypted. No, no, no. I mean, when you sell it, you can say uh, they can reformat it. They just can't get to your data. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's good because writing back over SSDs doesn't work, right? You don't well, it want doesn't to do that be- because it randomly rejiggers what is address one. So you actually, you can never fully scrub unencrypted data from an SSD. Right, right. So but should... if you run full disk encryption, then you don't have to worry about it. Good to know. I yeah. did not pick yeah. up on that subtlety. Yeah, so I think we've probably done that one to death. Um, it's a good discussion, though. And, uh, you know, security is great, but it's not, it, it has effects. It's, it's, not, it's not a free lunch. There are, you know, it's, there are swings and roundabouts. I think a simple way of putting it is it's the, the, the effect on the um, the hardware is incidental rather than malicious. That is a right. superb summary. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the second main story we have is an interesting court case, which may or may not quite some time down the road have a very significant effect on all of our Apple lives. So the US Supreme Court in November heard oral arguments in a case testing whether or not a case against Apple can go to court, right? So no matter what the Supreme Court find, there won't actually be a verdict. The question is whether the court case can go ahead. And so if the Supreme Court says, yes, it can go ahead, then we have the start of an antitrust case against Apple. And that'll take forever. And that'll probably get appealed all the way back up to the Supreme Court either way as well. So this this has the potential to be... One of those stories that, you know, episode 150, and we're still talking about it kind of stories. So anyway, <laughs> so all of this started when a collection of App Store customers got together and created a class action lawsuit claiming that the fact that Apple only allows one App Store is anti-competitive and therefore they're entitled to triple damages under the Sherman Antitrust Act. And Apple's argument is, no you're not buying anything from us. You're buying stuff from developers. Developers choose the prices and developers are allowed to set the price to free if they want to or up to something very, very high. We just take a 30% cut for doing the job of connecting you two together. We're matchmakers. And there's a previous 1977 Supreme Court case called Illinois Brick Company versus Illinois. And one of the outcomes of that lawsuit is that only the direct customer can sue people over antitrust. And Apple argue, well, the direct customer is the developers to us, and the direct customer, you know, the the the, the people buying apps, they're customers of the developers, not of Apple. And Would that so, suggest that developers could do a class action lawsuit against them under that logic, if they had a case to make, yeah, if they if they somehow had a case. But Apple aren't telling the developers what price to charge. The developers mm-hmm. are choosing the price, which to me is sort of the to me as I think about this argument that to me is the absolutely critical point it the developers can choose you know i mean the 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 prices are tiered so they can't pick any arbitrary price but the range of allowed prices goes all the way from zero to stupidly expensive and Mm. many 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 stops in between so i don't see any price fixing going on here I, I must admit, I struggle with this. It, it just sounds absolutely bonkers to me. It, 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 anti, anti-competitiveness would be true 
if there was a store that everyone used and Apple tied it down so that no one no one else could use it. But there isn't. There's the Android store and there's the Amazon store and there's the and there's lots of stores out there uh, uh, where you can download apps. That's an even that's a, that's also another point, right? So Apple are not the Apple market is not the market. It's basically no. the choice is between unintegrated open platforms and integrated and an inter, and an integrated closed platform and there's swings and roundabouts to both. So consumers actually have even more choice because if you prefer the idea of an open store with the swings and roundabouts that go with that, then you have actually quite a few choices. And if you prefer a vertically integrated solution where you have some security advantages to that, then you also have that choice. And so I don't see how customers are being in any way... I don't see the I don't see where the trust is being broken. It's but I've had a lot of interpretation of US antitrust law has been a bit weird to my foreign eyes. The the iBooks mm. case brought that to light where the government sided with the biggest monopoly I've ever seen against the upstart who was trying to disrupt the business. <laughs> yes. I, that yeah. one never made sense to me. So what happened anyway this month is that the oral arguments were heard. And of course, oral arguments are a great game of criminology for people who watch the US Supreme Court, because while there's no, there's never a ruling made on the day of oral arguments, the high court justices get to ask questions and everyone tries to read everything they possibly can into the choice of questions that gets asked by the various justices. And the, the, the problem with this game is that a lot of the time the justices are literally playing devil's advocate and asking the question that they don't think is the right question to ask just to reassure themselves that their thinking is correct. So you can't in necessarily infer where, what way they're going to actually decide a matter based on the oral arguments. But nonetheless, everyone's reading of the tea leaves appears to be that it's likely the court is going to allow the antitrust case to go ahead. But we won't know for sure until the court decide to rule, and there's no due date. Generally speaking, their rulings are issued... After the close of the of the, uh, the, the this particular session of the Supreme Court, and that's usually June ish. So the chances are nothing is going to happen on this until June, and even then, if the outcome is the trial can go ahead, we then have to start an antitrust trial. <laughs> oh joy! Yeah, so we'll, we'll see you in episode three hundred twenty eight. Is when is that the one you said, Bart? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I recently I was doing some some backups of stuff, and I came across all the old episodes of IMP that I have backed up, mm. and it's right. kind of depressing that the Samsung story, Samsung v Apple, actually was already old hat when that podcast finished up, and wow. we're now on episode sixty three of a monthly podcast, which means it's many many years into this monthly podcast, and it's only recently that that case finally wound down. But it did wind down, Bart. That gives you hope. Fair point. Fair point. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's 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 Advent. It's supposed to be the season of hope, so let's be hopeful. There we go. <laughs> and on that note, let us move into our third big story, which definitely surprised me. So Apple and Amazon have had a fairly rocky relationship over the last while, you know, refusing to carry each other's products and all sorts of quite petty to and fro, one could say. But they appear to have come to some sort of detente because things have really changed in that relationship. So 
Amazon have agreed with Apple that they will remove unauthorized Apple refurbishers from Amazon stores. Apple will then start to sell and authorized resellers will start to sell Apple products on the Amazon store. Everything apart from the Apple TV, which competes with the Kindle. So I guess there was some sort of negotiation there. Um, a whole bunch of this was in place in time for Black Friday. So lots of lots of deals and stuff were available on Apple stuff through Amazon over the, the, the big shopping weekend, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, etc. And then just as this week came to an end, we learned that uh, on December 17th, Apple Music is coming to the Amazon Echo devices. So you'll be able to say... Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that. That's really... <laughs> I'm really pleased about that. <laughs> but isn't... That surprises me immensely in a good way but i, I would if you had oh, asked yeah, me yeah, yeah. is that ever going to happen i would have said no yeah yeah i could have pictured a lot of things warming up like selling the apple tv you know those kind of things but the fact that they did this i mean wow yeah maybe make a ton of music on their um on their amazon audio or music service they're not one of the biggest ones right and apple is no, yeah, yes, yes, Apple's much bigger than the, than the Amazon one. So mm. the logic would be that since Amazon aren't making money that way, if they allow more people to use Apple stuff, which is very popular, then they'll sell more Echoes. Yeah, and Probably. Echoes everything. I got an Echo in my filling the other day on my teeth. <laughs> I mean, and the Echo is, is from Amazon's point of view, the Echo is an amazing device because it makes. Um, Impulse purchases just so easy. Having having Amazon be an ever present presence in your life means that if you're gonna do something on a whim, you're gonna do it on an Amazon thing. It's a very powerful I'm, position to be in. I'm highly depressed at how much my family loves the Amazon Echo. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them not li- them liking it, but I tried to show them my HomePod and uh, my my son's family, my daughter's family. They they both went, yeah, but I have an Echo, and one of them was a dot. <laughs> you have a shoe too and you can make that into a speaker but i wouldn't listen to it yeah it, i noticed it in work as well that when we talk about smart home stuff over coffee there is one gigantic uber mega unquestionable winner in the space and everyone else isn't also ran i don't know and do you, and do you know why <laughs> it's it's cost they're, yeah, but, they're cheap devices in comparison to apple and right but i'm uh, also thinking google i mean th- th- Google Home um, is not expensive. Yeah, Google either. were just a little bit a little bit late to the party, weren't they? Um, Amazon had already got a foothold by that time. But I think there's a trust issue because we we find Amazon helping us buy things we want doesn't seem to creep us out in the same way that Google creep us out all the time. You see, I don't buy anything through my Amazon Echo. Um, I, I use it to um, I've got um, lighting and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I use it for that more than anything else, and asking the odd question, which it, it does reasonably well at answering. Sometimes it gets it completely wrong, but then don't all devices. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I but, really do think right. I think uh, asking it to do light stuff and answer questions and play music, that's really what it is. I don't, I, I don't know people who have been buying a lot of stuff using the Echo. I know it's done, but that's not like the primary thing they tell you about. Right, but it also means that when you go onto Amazon.com, they can be even more scarily accurate at things you might want to buy. Oh, true. Amazon <laughs> know me so bloody well. 
it's it's disturbing how I go onto that website and they go, here, would you like this thing? It's like, oh, yes, I would, Amazon. Thank you. Wait, no, no, I have no money. Stop. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're staggeringly good. Um, and, you know, so being in every house is definitely in, in, in Amazon's, um, to Amazon's advantage. So I can see how the logic has changed that they want to be with Apple Music. But either way, I still think it's fantastic because, you know, people who use Apple Music win. I am going to be curious to see, uh, maybe I could report back later on what my family does, because I, I pay for a family plan for Apple Music, even though I don't listen to music at all, but I do it for the kids, and they yeah. never use it. And I'm I'm curious now whether they'll start using it with their uh, with their Echoes. That would be, I'll be very interested to hear how that works out, actually, yeah. Um, over the holiday season, I guess, would be a good test of that, because there'll be plenty of family about and plenty of stuff happening and people wanting parties and things, so the music should get a good exercise. Now, yeah, my I, own, sorry, Alison, go on. Uh, I heard that the, somebody created a shortcut that would allow you to ask uh, Siri to tell Google Assistant to do something. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I remember that from somewhere. Well, yeah, because any app that's running on iOS can offer out uh, the Siri shortcut API. And so Google right. have apps running on Android and so do Amazon, or sorry, on iOS and so do Amazon. Um, and I believe actually on Cortana, it's a it, it's actually an official partnership between the two. You can actually say to Cortana to ask a lady to to do things without any hackery, just, which is nice. I just dropped the article from Lifehacker into uh, our Discord chat. If you want to add that, how to use Google Assistant with Siri shortcuts? Cool uh, Discord chat. You say I might do that just for fun. Well, yeah, and you can set them off against each other. I mean, talk about playing no, no, no. Ch- Chinese whispers. This is because you want to use Google Assistant because uh, Siri is so stupid. This is bypassing <laughs> Siri, Siri to trigger Google Assistant so that you can talk to Google Assistant natively-ish. Yeah, I mean, it's very clever. And, you know, it's it's definitely clever. I'll pop that in. I, I just hope it comes to the... Um... The uh, non-Amazon Amazon devices, if you sort of mean <laughs> Echo devices, uh, like the Sonos One, because uh, I've got two Sonos Ones. So I, I hope. I mean, I could already play Apple Music through the Sonos Ones um, through the app, but it would be nice to be able to ask it to play. Oh gosh, that's funny. So uh, I bought the Ecobee thermostat right before they came out with the one with Alexa built in. Could you have your Alexa playing Apple, your your thermostat playing Apple Music? Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I have no idea. <laughs> Turn on the heating and play me something nice and warm. <laughs> yes. By the way, I used Siri to turn off my heater so it wouldn't interrupt the show. So there I am using Siri. And you you really made good. me promise as a New Year's resolution that I would give Siri a Scouts Honest try. And do you know something? She's slowly getting better. Oh, well, technically, all I wanted you to do was use dictation. It yeah, see, wasn't actually Siri I wanted you to use. I wanted you to use dictation because it's amazing on the watch. Yeah, but see, what I find is I usually, very, very often, I need to, when I'm cooking, I don't have, I, you know, I have hands covered in olive oil and stuff, and I'd prefer not to be touching my Apple devices. And when I need to know something in that moment is when voice really appeals to me. And mm-hmm. she's getting so much better at telling me what I want. She's not 100% by any means, but she is better now than she was in January because in January I was fairly cranky at her. 
Craig, Craig, Craig. I really, the big thing for me is the dictation and dictation. I don't understand this dictation on the watch is better on the, than on the phone and dictation on the phone is better than on the Mac. I would like somebody to explain that to me. I believe there are very, very different server firms and very, very different engines. They basically have a whole bunch of different technology. They all brand as Siri, but really they're separate products. And I think there's a massive, I think there's a lot of work going on in the back. Someone who has little birdies said basically that they're desperately trying to make it be one Siri to rule them all. Mm -hmm. But they, they ain't got there yet. What they have is a patchwork behind the scenes that they paper over by telling you it's all Siri. Yeah. Yeah. Someday. Well, I'm glad to hear you've been doing your experiment. Yeah, no, I'm continuing to use it. In fact, the reason I thought of it was because about 10 minutes before we recorded, I needed to know how many euros there are in 100 Australian dollars. And I asked her and she told me. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, well, that's the end of the main stories. But like I say, quite a bit of stuff and quick stories for us to, to go through. So... The first pattern I noticed when looking at the news was that Apple have gotten a lot of recognition this month for their socially responsible policies. So Apple were awarded the Eleanor Roosevelt Humanitarian Award for Work Towards Device Accessibility. And having followed Apple for many, many years, that to me is one they have thoroughly earned. Because for as long as I have been an Apple user, they have been so far ahead of the others when it comes to built-in, out-of-the-box accessibility tools. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they have also been awarded an A-plus rating from the Safer Chemicals Healthy Families organization. They do an annual Mind the Store report where they rank companies on how they deal with chemicals. So basically, how open and transparent are they about the chemicals they use and what efforts are they making to s switch from using the ones that will do bad things to ones that won't do bad things. So it's not get rid of all chemicals it's use the chemicals that do the least harm and be upfront and honest with the chemicals you're using and do your best to sort of to minimize the damage and there was exactly one company awarded an a plus rating and that would be apple incorporated so wow yeah it's pretty neat it is pretty neat and then tim cook individually rather than apple but nonetheless tim cook is so associated with apple um, Tim Cook is being awarded the Anti-Defamation League's uh, Courage Against Hate Award, and he's going to deliver as part of that the keynote at their upcoming conference in New York. So I hope the video for that is going to be made available, actually, because I'd love to watch that. Yeah. Uh, also an award for Apple, but nothing to do with social responsibility. Um and uh, it's a completely different type of award. But the Steve Jobs Pavilion, which is the official name for the Fancy Pants Room they now hold the keynotes in, um, has been awarded uh, an award for structural artistry. So, okay. Hmm. It is, is quite a nice building. That's not an architecture award. It's not an art award award. It's a structural art award. Yeah, so the, the, to get into this award, you need to make a structure which could be plain and boring and still serve its function, but you have chosen to make it something artistic as well as functional. Okay. So hence the structural artistry. <laughs> it seems appropriate, actually, because it, 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 it definitely is a building that does more than it has to. So it does seem to fit their criteria quite well. The whole campus is quite 
artistically pleasant. <laughs> I would, yeah, I mean, I, having only seen drone footage of it as it grew and developed, it looks yes. pretty impressive to me. I, I would love to visit someday, although I imagine the percentage of it that I would be able to physically see would be quite small. But, uh, yeah, yeah so. um, for some Unless reason... Unless you sat on a drone, probably. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I'm blanking on, on the person's name. All of a sudden, a uh, new friend of ours, a, a listener to my podcast, uh, went up to the uh, to the mothership and he took me on a tour of the uh, just of the store area with using his iPhone and, and doing uh, FaceTime. And it was phenomenal. I mean, it, it was as close as I could have gotten to it so far. But it's only up. Well, it's only up there. It's in the same state. So that means it must be somewhere vaguely nearby. Well, yeah, it's like six or eight hours away, something like that. Driving. Yeah, that's quite the expedition, all right. Yeah. Um, the other thing that someday is going to be an actual full news story, Apple are going to launch something to do with video content someday, and it will work in some way, and then we'll be able to talk about it in detail. For now, all we get every single month is more rumors and reports about all the cool video content Apple is working on. So this month we know that Apple inked a deal with ex-Machina maker A24 Studio to create original films. And that, uh, oh, that's the same story twice by mistake. Whoopsie-daisies. Let's delete one. It's a especially good one. It must be especially good, yeah. So we'll take the second one out and we'll just make that into one bullet point. Editing the show as we speak. Anyway. That was a good movie. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they come up with there. Yeah, I mean, and it's just the latest drop in this very, very large ocean. And we keep hearing rumors that it's going to be a free service to anyone who owns an Apple device. And then people saying, that's ridiculous. They're spending a fortune. How could they possibly do that? We just have no idea. I hate that rumor because if it's not true, that's all anybody's going to talk about, right? (laughs) Yeah, Apple dropped the ball by not doing what they didn't promise. (laughs) (laughs) And they're late. Yes, they're late for the deadline. They never, ever, ever announced. Yes. Yeah, it would be good to see some, wouldn't it? Some original. I mean, I know they've done a little, but yeah, I mean, they're just trickling out. If they're going to get into this field, they just need to get into it. (laughs) But they are doing a lot of original stuff. Uh, We do know that, Nick. You what? Sorry. We do know that they're doing a lot of original content. There's been a whole bunch of different deals made and actual content created already. Yeah, the pipeline. Oh, right. is long. I knew there was. So, I knew there were one or two, but nothing that really appealed to me. But yeah, the pipeline is long. <laughs> is is the issue there? But Nick, that's exactly it. Nothing that appeals to you. What is it that doesn't appeal to you? We don't know what all of this stuff is yet. We haven't seen any of it. Well, only what people have talked about on other podcasts, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's all so vague and it's sort of why I haven't really spent much time focusing on the topic on this show because it's so rumour-filled at the moment. I just want them to announce something and then we can have a good old discussion about it, but that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, Also, a lot of development on the Apple Apple Pay front this month. Um, Interesting case in Switzerland. There's now an investigation underway. Apparently, the banks got together to try slow down Apple Pay coming to Switzerland, and they're now potentially in trouble for doing that. Meanwhile, Apple Pay has arrived in a lovely little country known as the Kingdom of Belgium and in Kazakhstan. I heard that. Ireland had it before Belgium, which is wonderful. So it's so rare for me to get to do something cool before my relatives at home. Um, and uh, the Germans will get to play along very shortly. Apparently, the launch is coming before the end of 2018. So that, that's that got to be darn soon because 2018 is pretty much run out of steam by now. 
It's, yeah. I, it's almost everywhere now here in the UK, but just occasionally I have someone say, oh, you played with your watch. <laughs> <laughs> and still one or two people say it. <laughs> I yeah. have to say, every time I use it here, people are like, what? What did you do? That's amazing. <laughs> it used to be great fun because you'd, you'd get lots of people going, ooh, and ah, and wow, but it almost never happens anymore. It's just completely normal. Everyone is just like, yeah, that's what people do. Yeah. And, you know, total regular people, not nerds, pay with their phones and their watches. And it's just, yeah, that's that's life now in Ireland, which is great, let's be honest. Uh, Apple is continuing to improve Apple Maps. They have, um, instead of having cars with cameras and stuff, they have human beings with backpacks and cameras and LiDAR and all sorts of weirdo stuff wandering around the streets of California collecting pedestrian data on bits and pieces where cars can't go. So that's... That's odd. I walk a lot. I want to wear one. (laughs) I'm not sure you do. Have you seen the pictures? It looks like quite the heavy pack. Uh, Yeah, but I'd burn more active calories, Bart. You know, that's all it's about, right? And, you know, you really would burn a lot because um, one of my weekly workouts is I do the I do a whole bunch of my shopping on foot. So I, I put on a big backpack and I just walk around all the different supermarkets here to get the best deal on everything. And I burn about twice as many calories walking home as I do walking to the village. It's the same distance, but one way it's an empty backpack and the other way it's not, especially when someone has Coke Zero three bottles for four euro special offers, then I carry <laughs> six litres of Coke Zero. That'd burn a lot of calories. Mark, you just give me a great idea. I'm going to take my backpack and put all of my uh, battery chargers in it. <laughs> all of my Because I've got that big 100 watt one. I can put that in there and then throw all the little ones in there and just carry it. Well, you yeah, won't run out of battery power. <laughs> <laughs> and you will definitely burn more calories. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, Apple have also updated pages so you can publish directly to Apple Books. May or may not be a few people. I know your experience using pages to write Apple Books was anything but positive. (laughs) Just slightly worse than than using iBooks Author. Yeah, which isn't even supported. But now you can publish directly using a difficult tool. Awesome. Well, maybe the tool will get better too, hopefully. Um, Apple are, uh, Apple have a new program to help uh, empower female developers. Um, Apple say that at the moment there are some unique challenges facing female developers and they have a program to try deal with that. Um, so I hope that works out. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Apple have launched two new repair programs. So this is what Apple do when a particular problem becomes common. And to save themselves and to save customers a lot of trouble, they set up a dedicated repair program for it. So anyone with an iPhone X whose touchscreen suddenly stops being touchy, there is now a repair program for screen replacements on iPhone Xs. And anyone with a 13-inch non-touchbar MacBook Pro whose SSDs act up, there is now a special program for replacing those SSDs as well. And I should say another effect of these special programs is that you will be covered even if you're outside of your traditional warranty because, well, that's a really big deal in America where, what is the warranty you guys get on an Apple product? Is it like Just a one month? year. You guys get two, right? Yeah, we get two years thanks to the European Union. So, sorry, Nick, you'll, you'll soon be down to one. Um, <laughs> I have a question on that. So when we get, when I buy Apple Care. Uh, actually, on a phone, mm. it's only one year and it goes to two years. But on a Mac, it's one year and it goes to three years. I wonder whether we pay 
more or less than you do for Apple Care. We should compare notes on some of those. I think we no, pay about yeah. the same because Apple Care gives you better service than the statutory minimum the EU give you. True. Right. So it's not just, okay, we'll replace a part. It's also all the OS support and... And the fact that you can just ring them up and get support very, very easily. So they actually have an FAQ page on exactly what you get for your money above and beyond the statutory requirements. Oh, that would be interesting. I'd like to see that sometime. I, I found it once, read it and went, oh, okay, I'm not wasting my money. And I have no idea what okay. I Okay. <laughs> I was basically, I was concerned I was being silly and making the wrong choice. So I did a bit of reading and I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. This is still good. And then, then I didn't think about it anymore. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of my notes. So that was a, a, a strange, a, a strange month's worth of news, actually. To be honest, because normally my problem is is narrowing down the main stories into only having five at most, and I was really stretching it this month to try to get us up to three. But anyway, fun conversation, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, that was good. Start chatting people on, right? Indeed. Uh, but just before we do the little outros and get you all to plug yourselves, um, just to say that there will be detailed show notes at let's-talk.ie. There'll be links there to all of the stories that informed my thinking um, and that we use as a basis for this show. And there will be, or there are, when you go to that website, a bunch of buttons under a heading called support the show. I really appreciate all those of you who have made use of those buttons over the years. And uh, if you haven't and you're thinking about it, it, I would very much appreciate if you did. Um, I always want to give a special thank you to the people who support the show on Patreon because the way Patreon works is you pledge a small dollar amount per show released. There will be exactly two shows every month. So if you'd like to give me a dollar a month, then you pledge 50 cents. If you want to give me two dollars a month, then pledge one dollar, you get the idea. And the great thing is because of the way Patreon works, they pool together these small dollar amounts in such a way that it doesn't all go on, on PayPal fees. So it's actually an efficient way to give small dollar amounts, which is superb. The other great thing about it is every month money comes in from Patreon and bills come in from DigitalOcean and various other places. And I take the money from Patreon and I pour it into the bills and the podcast is now at the stage where it is within a a hair's breadth of paying for itself in terms of monthly costs, which is superb and is exactly what I hope to achieve. Um, Now what I'm hoping that we get to next is to to the point where I can start to do some hardware and software purchases every now and then to keep my equipment and stuff up to date and have it still continue to break even at that stage. So, And I guess a a very big help with that is people who click the PayPal button because, of course, that that brings in non-recurring income, which is perfect for, oh, a new app has come out that will make my show production easier or, oh, great, I need a new boom mic for my, or boom sound for my mic and that kind of thing. So that's kind of what the PayPal money goes towards. So whenever someone donates on PayPal, you're helping me to keep my setup up to date and to get the tools to make this podcast come together. So I really appreciate that too. I'm a patron and I love doing it that way. Yeah, I think it's great. I get so much value out of the things that you produce here, Bart, both Let's Talk Apple and Let's talk photography. Your latest episode on that was fantastic and uh, on all about the photographic process and when the first photos were made. That stuff was gold. Well worth my monthly subscription. Well, thank you, Alison. I, that last episode of Let's Talk Photography is, is one that I'm genuinely proud of because I spent ages researching and I had so much fun recording that episode. <laughs> As opposed to all the other drivel you do, is that what you're saying? Well, no, I mean, I enjoy them all, but that one just stood out to me. I got completely sucked in, like totally and utterly sucked into my research. I think I've been at it for like six weeks getting those show notes together because I just got completely sucked into the topic. Um, I loved it. 
fantastic. I'm delighted to hear people enjoyed it too, because I, I had so much fun making it. Um, the other way to support the show is actually really straightforward. Just tell people about it. Just, you know, tweet about it, review it on your your podcatcher of choice. It, it really helps a lot, actually, to do that, spread the word. And then there are affiliate links as well. If you if you are the kind of person who needs virtual hosting, then if you use my DigitalOcean uh, affiliate link, then you get some money from DigitalOcean and I get some money from DigitalOcean. And if you use my Hover.com affiliate link, I get some money from Hover.com and you just get to know that you've helped out the show. Uh, Hover, don't do the whole share alike thing. But anyway, thank you ever so much to everyone who supported the show and an extra special thank you to my panelists for today because you guys also donate something extremely valuable, your time, and I genuinely appreciate it. Uh, I don't remember what order I went in at the start of the show, but I've got a 50-50 chance I get the reverse order thing right. Um, Alison, would you like to tell the good listeners where they can hear more of your great work? Well, you guessed right. Um, I am, can be found at podfeet.com and you can find all my podcasts there. I've got the uh, Nocilla Mac podcast on which Bart is a guest every other week where he does a section called Security Bits. And I do a show called Chit Chat Across the Pond. Every other week it's the light version, which is just interesting tech people I like to talk to. And the other uh, every other week is Programming by Stealth with none other than Bart Bouchat. You can find me on Twitter at podfeet. Thanks. And just to say, actually, the, the last light episode was a whole bunch of tips on using iOS 12. I got so much value out of that show. That was that was a really fun show. Yeah, that was Dave Ginsburg. And uh, yeah, he's fantastic, isn't he? Yeah. And that wasn't even your original planned topic. He just he was just able to do that. Such, yeah. Yeah, I learned so much. It was great. Nick, would you like to let the good listeners know where they can uh, meet you online, you know, get more of your, your musings and whatnots? Uh, yeah, you can find me occasionally on Twitter. Uh, my username is Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Excellent. Thank you very much. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go, wait, go where? The commercial, Guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.